Hello and welcome back. I'm Pookie and today I'm talking to you about how to get the day started right for children who struggle with school anxiety. So I've got three ideas I'm going to share with you today and they all begin with R because Pookie. The three ideas are reception, how is a child met and greeted when they arrive at school? Routine, how can we get into the habit of doing the same thing every day to make it feel more possible? And regulation, how can we help the child go from feeling completely unable to manage and emotions and feelings everywhere to ready to learn or at least think about learning. So let's start with reception. Whether you are coming at this from the point of view of the parent or the carer or the point of view of the teacher or support staff or frontline staff at school, these are things that we all need to think about together. We've got to remember, sometimes this feels a bit like us versus them, and I've been on both sides of this fence. Actually, there's no us versus them. We're all on team child. So let's think about this. How do we ensure that the child at the heart of our team feels really warmly received every single time that they walk into school or nursery or college or whichever is the place that's provoking this anxiety? It's such a big deal for our kids who struggle with school anxiety to actually make it onto the premises, to get in the building, to show their face or even think about it sometimes, that we need to make sure that when they get there, they are rewarded with the joy and delight of the staff there who are really, really pleased to see them, genuinely care that they've made it in, rather than telling them, you know, you're not wearing the right uniform or you're late again or where have you been for the last two and a half years? Not helpful. So in terms of how we're going to make that work, first of all, if we can, we want to work with our frontline staff. They are the absolute key to making this work. So whether you're coming at this from the home point of view or from the school point of view, have a chat with those people who will speak first to the child and the family when they arrive in school. Um, good frontline staff, absolutely amazing, makes so much difference in the lives of our children who struggle with school anxiety. If you have a good one, thank them, please. Next time you're there, just tell them you make my life a little bit better every day that I come to school. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Honestly, they don't often realize what a difference they make. So agree with the frontline staff exactly what's going to happen when this kiddo arrives in school. Um, you can have this discussion from the home point of view, from the school point of view, but we want to make sure that this kid walks in and they are greeted warmly. They are greeted by name, that the person who is manning the desk actually looks up, notices this kid, gives them a smile, maybe has a chat with them if they can. This intervention might take 30 seconds, but might be the difference between this child making it into school and not, and this child feeling like next time that they're thinking about coming into school that they can do it or not. If you think about it from the point of view of the child, when they're like lying in bed, worrying about school and thinking about it and imagining what it's going to be like, we need to help them imagine a really nice outcome where they get there and they're warmly greeted and enveloped in love. And your frontline staff here, how they are received the moment they arrive is going to make a big, big difference here. Uh, likewise, if we've got staff who kind of like man the playground, make sure they know this kid's name. They might not because this kid might be really absent a lot of the time. Show them a picture. Let them say, hey, look out for Charlie. Charlie trying really hard to come into school at the moment. Going to give it a go next Thursday. If you notice Charlie, would you just catch his eye? Give him a smile. Give him a nod. Use his name. 
it can make a big difference. So let's make sure that those who may be there when this child arrives are delighted that they've arrived. We should think uh, about why we're delighted that this kid is here. Like we are in this job as parents and carers or as teachers and support staff and so on because we love our kids. And sometimes we can lose sight of that. We like just see a problem. We see a child who's not going to school, who's full of anxiety, who needs help. And we look at that rather than remembering, you know what, this is a kid who is hilarious. This is a kid who is really, really bright in, in math lessons and whose like ability to, to calculate number blows me away. This is a kid who, when you hand them a paintbrush, does like really, really beautiful things with colour. This is a kid who is so kind to their friends. This is a kid who can tell you everything about African tree frogs. I don't even know if they're a thing. I just made that up. But anyway, every kid, there's something that we love about them. Keep hold of that and actually bring that up with the child. Use this to build bridges with them. Talk to them about the things that we love about them. Help them to feel that they're seen, that they're heard, that they're appreciated when they arrive in school. Um, yeah, just remind them about what you love about them. And this is particularly for those of you who are working uh, at school. Um, but those of you who are supporting as a parent or carer, you might just, you know, chat with the school staff and remind them about the things that they love about your kid. Have a chat with them about the things that we're looking to really accentuate, the bits of self-esteem that we're trying to build, those pillars of self-esteem that the child really identifies with that we want the staff to, to really tap into there. We might be talking to them about this child's special interests or passions so that they've got something to talk to this kid that they might not very well might not know very well because they might not have come to school a whole bunch and um, so we might give them some prompts and say hey hey you know like if you start talking to Amy about rabbits then she will blow your mind with what she knows so maybe let's use that to have this warm reception and build that bridge with this child um, and then finally, the other thing we need to do here in terms of that warm reception and I kind of alluded to it before is we've got to decide what we're going to let slide Oh, that was poetic. We got to decide what we're going to let slide. So when a child is not in school often or when they're very anxious or when there's kind of a lot going on in their lives, it's quite possible and indeed probable they're not going to turn up on time. Uh, they're not going to have turned up a lot at all. You might not have seen them for a while. You might not know them from Adam. They might not turn up with the right uniform on or with the right things because maybe they missed the memo on what was needed today because they weren't in school for the last week and a half or month and a half or term and a half, whatever. We need to work out what of this matters. The key thing is this kid is here right now and that's a really big deal for them and we want them to feel, I did it, I made it, I'm wanted. The feeling we want this child to feel more than anything is, I'm wanted here. They want me and I'm glad that I came. That feeling is not going to happen if the first thing they hear is, and your tie's wonky. Where were you yesterday? What time do you call this? None of that helpful. So let's think about which bits for this child don't matter right now. And sure, maybe we're going to work towards perfect behavior, perfect uniform, perfect handwork coming in, perfect attendance. But actually, we're probably not going to work towards any of those things, are we? I don't know. Maybe they matter to you. But actually, happy, healthy kid who's turning up and engaging, that's that's always my kind of go-to aim. It's the dream. Um but yeah, what can we let slide? And we need to agree that, like between home and school. Um, and that's not to say that we're going to have really, really low standards for this kid. It's about just taking the pressure off and saying, do you know what? We'd just love to see them in. We'd love to see them in whatever time works. Let us know when you're coming so we can make sure there's someone there to, to meet them and to help them to settle when they get here. But just let's just 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 get them in. Doesn't You know, if they're not feeling comfortable wearing the uniform, we want to make sure they don't feel like they're going to stand out in front of all their mates wearing the wrong thing. But you know, if they're 
comfier in PE kit, that's fine. You know, just just let's, let's agree. Where are the compromises that can be made here so this child feels comfortable? What are the things we're going to overlook when they arrive at school so that they hear positive first messages that say, you're wanted rather than, Wah, which is how it sometimes can kind of feel. So our three R's are going to be reception, routine, and regulation. So we're moving excitingly onto R number two, which is all about routine. I'm a big fan of routines as both someone who is autistic and anxious. And those two things don't have to go hand in hand, but for me, they do. Um, and routine really, really helps with both those things. It speaks to my autistic mind and way of doing things and helps me to know what to expect. And routine and the repetition of doing things means that things that fill me with fear and anxiety and worry become easier to do because the more that we do something, the easier it feels. Yeah, Anything, like anything that we want to be able to do, the more that we do it, the easier it feels. So an example, in the summer holidays, my daughter Ellie and I went to PGL, which is a kind of like... I don't know, adventure place. Kids often go there for school trips and they do things like climbing and abseiling and zip wires and all sorts of like really adventurous activities. My kids never got to do this because pandemic. So my daughter and I went and did what she would have done when she was like 10 or 11 at school. We went and did it together in the summer holidays for a week and it was epic. I would highly recommend. Anyhow, one of the things that we did there was a thing called the giant swing, which basically they attach you to this oh, giant swing. It's like a bar and they tie you in, you're in a harness and then you get winched up by your comrades. Um, they winch you really, really high. So you're just hanging in the air. And for many kids and actually a lot of the adults, a lot of the adults didn't even do it. It's terrifying. And you're up in the air and then you're just going to get dropped and you swing. It's amazing. I love it. For me, it's the best thing ever. But then I don't feel fear of those things in the normal way. Day to day, anxious all the time. Big, scary stuff. I'm cool with. It's weird. Anyhow, what I found, because I did this maybe 20 times, because I was the adult in the group who was prepared to go on the swing and pull the little cord that makes it go down from the top, which not everyone is prepared to do. Um, and so I got to watch a lot of the kids doing this thing that really terrified them. And what I found was, in the first instance, the first time they did it, every kid went up was absolutely bricking themselves. It was terrifying for them. They wanted to do it. It was like in a good, exciting, terrifying, but, but terrifying. But then they would do it again and again and again. And every time that they did it, it got a little bit easier. And we would develop our little routines about how we were going to count down and what was going to happen. And just it got easier and easier and easier for them. So by the time they were doing it like the fifth, sixth time, they were well up for it. And actually much of that fear had gone. There was still just enough to make it exciting. But like the under rumbling of fear that would have st almost stopped doing it had gone because they kind of habituated to it. They'd gotten used to it. They got their routine. It was good. We can do this with the start of the school day by actually having a routine that is the same every day. When we do things in the same way again and again and again and again, they become easier to do. Our brain habituates. It realizes I've done this before. I can do it again. 
and we get a positive cycle of reinforcement. So let's develop some habits around the start of the day. Now, parents and carers who are listening to this, those habits can start the night before. They might start from the moment your kid wakes up in the morning as well. Like as much as we can make this a repeatable process. And maybe I'll do a whole nother session sometime on Sunday nights and the importance of Sunday nights. But getting your your Sunday night routine in particular and your Monday morning routine really nailed down makes a big difference, sets you up for the whole week. So think about what that routine might look like that works for your kid that you can do the same way every week at these flashpoints to make it manageable. So let's think about our routine. When it comes to that bridge between home and school, because I know some of you listening are in school, some of you listening are at home, I tend to think about three things here. Where, who and what. So for this routine every day, where? When this child arrives in school, where are they going to go? It might not be the same place as everyone else. It might be that you've arranged for a special room or there might be like a well-being space or maybe there's a pastoral office or perhaps they sit with the reception staff. That's often a really good option. My kids have both done that in the past. Reception staff are great. If you've got friendly reception staff, just sitting with them while you kind of get ready to go can be lovely and can feel like a bit of a treat too. Um, Where are they going to go? You either need to um, think of a safe space where they can go or if they're going to go to the regular spaces and many kids don't want to do something that's different than all their mates, then we would think about how to make the normal spaces feel safer. So for example, if you've got a child who tends to struggle with sensory overstimulation and the normal thing that happens in the in the morning in your child's school is that they go to the playground and so does every other of the thousand children in this school, then we might think about, okay, how can we make the playground feel more manageable? Is there a quiet corner? Could they wear um, ear defenders or loops? My kids are a massive fan of loops. We've only recently discovered them. They're little things you can put in your ear that just basically look like mini, like in-ear headphones, and they dampen out loads of sound whilst also allowing you to hear amazing. I'll get one of them to talk to you about it on YouTube sometime. But yeah, so we might use ear defenders or loops or something to kind of dampen the sound. We might go to a quieter area. We might have a little plan of what we're going to do. Maybe have a structured game that's going to happen with that child that they do the same way every day uh, with their with their friends when they arrive or with a particular member of staff. So where can they go? Either that is safe or to make a regular place they might go feel a little bit safer for them. Have a plan about the where when they arrive at school every day. Go to the same place if we can. Who? Who can the child be with that helps to ease that transition into the school day? It might be that they've got a buddy that they're going to walk in with every day. Sometimes things are just easier with a friend by our side. And so we might arrive at school with the same person or arrange to meet them there. Or there might be an older kid who acts as like a peer mentor um, or, or buddy who's kind of appointed and has that responsibility from the school. There might be a particular adult who your child feels really, really safe with. Again, one of the frontline staff, or maybe there's a member of learning support staff, or maybe they're going to go and sit quietly with their classroom teacher or form tutor at the beginning of the day. Or maybe the school has got specific staff who support with this kind of stuff. There might be some emotional well-being practitioners or um, family support officer or all sorts of other staff who might like specifically have a role to do with this. 
it kind of doesn't matter who the who is, but trying to have someone who the child can consistently arrive with, be with, spend time with when they get there can be super, super helpful. Now, this person might have lots of input and might intensively be helping that child for a few minutes when they arrive, or they might just be generally around and in your child's presence. Some kids just need to know that there's someone there who's got their back if they were to need that support and having that option can often mean they don't end up taking it just knowing there's someone there so who who can your child be with the other option here by the way and a great one if the school has it is a school pet sometimes the child will just want to go spend time with the school pet when they arrive whether that school pet is as in my kids nursery when they were little the giant african land snail yeah, my kids had a giant African land snail and that giant African land snail spent much of its holidays in our home. The kids actually really loved it. And you know, the great thing about a giant African land snail, it doesn't answer back. So if you arrive at school with a whole bunch of worries, you can go talk to the giant African land snail. Ours was called Lily and she's going to listen. And she's not going to tell you what to do. She's just going to calmly listen. You don't get a lot of input back from a giant African land snail. Maybe they're really frustrated. Maybe actually they've got all these ideas and they're desperately wanting to share advice, but not so good at the talking thing. Anyway, so you might have a snail, you might have fish, you might have a gerbil, you might have a school dog if you're really, really lucky or whatever. But but often kids will find that, you know, going and being with an animal can be really, really calming and helpful. So maybe that's their who, or maybe there's like a particular toy that a younger child feels happy being with or talking to. So the who doesn't have to be a person, but it might be. Might be a friend, might be a particular adult, might be your frontline staff, might be their regular teacher or form tutor. So who, who can the child be with? every day, like clockwork, making it easier through repetition. And then the finally is the what. What can this child do when they arrive at school that makes school a place that they kind of feel a little bit more like they want to get engaged with and involved with and step into? What's going to make it worth their while actually arriving at school? So there's kind of two good activities here that can help. One is the activity that motivates the child, getting them straight into something that we know they love doing, that they can't wait to get in and do, whether that is playing with something in particular. Maybe this is a kid who adores Lego and they're going to do the next few minutes of the Lego model they've been working on for the last however long with this particular member of support staff. Or maybe they love to paint and they go in and they paint every morning. Or maybe there's someone who loves to go do jumping jacks in the playground and they're going to go do that with one of their favorite members of support staff or perhaps they love skipping games and that's going to be done with their friend each day whatever like the what can be whatever motivates your particular child that you have in mind yeah we're going to think about what do they love to do what's going to spark a bit of joy for them so that they could do that when they arrive that it gives them something to look forward to so when they're dreading going to school they'll be like oh but at least when I get there then I get to X. And that might be as simple as sitting and eating in breakfast club with a particular member of staff who they really, really like, who listens nicely to them. Like it doesn't have to be big stuff. It's about finding something that works for the child that can be repeated every day. Um, or so it's either like motivation or it's about regulation. And we're going to talk more about regulation in a moment because that was our number three. So not too many spoilers here. But the activity might be one that specifically looks to regulate the child. So we might be thinking um, about the, the what there in terms of what will help get this child really, really ready for learning 
and living and laughing and all those other things that need to happen in school. So we're thinking about routine, our second R. We're thinking about where is that child going to go every day? Who are they going to be with when they arrive? Who will they arrive with, arrive with or be met by? And what are they going to do? What's the first activity that is going to happen in that child's day every day? And just remembering when it comes to routine, just do the same thing every day and parents and carers this routine will start much much earlier just try and get it all so it feels like habit so we're doing it like clockwork every day and I know I know I know I know parents and carers listening you're like ha yeah right whatever like we're so far away from that if I can get to the point where everybody's kind of got to school at some point before lunchtime and nobody's cried then we're doing well like screw you and your routine I, I do hear you however I promise that we can build it up over time and those routines do honestly, honestly become easier. It's so, so worth persevering with. Work out with that routine, which are the bits that your child is actually prepared to get on board with. There might be bits of it that you do for now, but you know, trying to get little rituals and routines going. So we do some things the same way every day and in the same order. Even just basic stuff like what order are we going to eat breakfast and brush our teeth and do our hair and get our bag ready and, and stuff like that. What order is that going to happen each day and just doing it in the same order. So we don't have to be thinking what needs to happen next. We're going through our list and we're just checking. Okay, well we've had breakfast now so it's time to brush our teeth. That's what always happens next here. And if that's what always happens next, eventually it begins to feel a little bit easier and build into that routine if you can some rewards for your child so we tend to use YouTube as a reward if everything is ready by a certain time then you know and the sooner we're ready by the more YouTube time actually we create um it's not ideal but it works and it motivates my children it might work for yours too but there's all sorts of different things that you might use rewards um and 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 things that will also kind of help to regulate your child too so Again, maybe that's something to think about for a whole nother episode because we've got our third R to get onto here. We have thought about reception, how the child is received when they arrive at school. We've thought about routine, making it the same every day. Our third R is about regulation, about ensuring that this child is ready to actually engage with the school day. So we've got them there, we're working through our routine, and now actually we want to go from just being on site to actually really engaging with what's happening in school and being able to be part of the school day. So this can be a big part of the what happens when a child arrives in school because we've got to transition from feeling highly anxious with a head full of worries and uncertain about being here and all that kind of stuff to actually being able to focus on learning and enjoying life in school. There are a few different things that we can do. One of my favourites is if a child is arriving with a lot of worries on their mind, we can think about the four S's <laughs> again. Always me in the alliteration. I don't know why. I just like it. Um, these are better. They're not just S's. They're shh. So we share it. We shelf it. We shout it. We shed it. Um, I will uh, link out to a YouTube video on that because I get asked about it a lot. So share it, shelf it, shout it, shed it. Um, I'll talk more about it in the YouTube video. But basically, when we've got a worry, like we can share it. We can get it out in the world, make it known either to someone, a person, we might talk to them, or something, a journal, a school dog, a teddy bear 
getting the worry out in the world. If we name it, we can tame it. So get those worries out, share them. We might shelf the worry. We might say, hey, I've got this big thing on my mind. It's really bothering me. I need to do something about it. I need to explore it. I need to talk about it. But right now, actually, I want to go do my art lesson. And so I'm going to shelf that worry for now. I'm going to make an appointment with it and I'm going to come back to it later. It sounds unlikely, but it kind of can work. So this, as an adult, the thing that we might be doing here is saying, hey, I can see you've got loads on your mind. I, I think, you know, I know you want to get to art right now. So maybe we can write this worry down or we're going to draw it. Or we're going to put it in the worry monster or we're going to make an appointment and say, hey, I, how about if we talk about this at 1030? Like at break time, we could have a little chat about this. I really want to hear um, about this. And it sounds like a really important worry, but I know you don't want to miss art because you really, really love it with Miss Pennell, don't you? So let's um, let's let's put that worry to one side for now. And I promise we're going to come back to it. As an aside, as an adult, you've got to come back to that worry. If you don't, then this technique is never going to work. But if the child knows that you've said, hey, this worry matters, we're going to revisit it later, and you do do that, then they will be able to shelf worries in future. They're going to be able to just turn them off and go, yeah, OK, I'll come back to that. It, it Honestly, it works for many, many kids and adults too. <laughs> um, shout it. Uh, this is the idea that we might have like a whole bunch of anxious energy rumbling around inside us and we're not ready to sit down, sit down and focus and concentrate in a lesson right now because really we want to bounce off some walls and work out some anxious or angry energy. So shout it is not necessarily about shouting, it's just about working through that energy, doing jumping jacks, running around the playground, doing some big art, screaming into a pillow, shaking things vigorously, playing with our fidget toys to get our anxiety out through our hands. It doesn't matter what we do. Uh, we might sing really loudly. We might dance. There's so many, so many, so many ideas. But the point is that we just, we acknowledge that there's all this energy fizzing around inside us. We acknowledge that's not great if it's quiet time in the classroom now and everybody's silently reading. And we acknowledge that there is a whole ton of stuff that we can do to help to regulate those feelings and get our body to a calmer place where we might be able to go engage with quiet reading with everybody else. So share it, shelf it, shout it and shed it. So the other thing here is that sometimes children arrive at school with worries that are not their worries to carry. So mum, dad, carer might take those worries home with them and say, hey, I know that you're really worried today about X, but actually that's an adult worry and I'm going to take that one home with me. You just focus on being a kid now. You're at school. You go have fun. It's OK. I know you're really worried about granddad. You're really worried about granddad, but we've got this, okay? I promise we're going to look after granddad all day and make sure he's okay. You don't need to worry about him. You can think about him and love him, but please don't worry. We've got this. I promise we're going to take that worry away from you. Or as the teacher, you can take the worries from a child if they've brought worries from home or they've got worries about school. If these are not their worries to carry, and many little kids carry big adult worries around from them, identify those worries and say, do you know what? I've got this. You don't need to worry about this. I'm going to take it. Maybe tell the child what you're going to do to actually take practical next steps about this worry and take that worry away. So with those worries that the child's arriving at school with, we can think about sharing it, getting it out there, shelving it, putting it aside for later, shouting it, working out that anxious fizz of energy from inside us and shedding it, passing that worry over to an adult because it's an adult worry. 
Other things we can do to help with regulation uh, to get a child ready for learning and living at school um, is to do things like use our breathing strategies, our calming strategies, anything that can help a child just generally to find a place of calm. And every child will have their preferred strategies here. And if they don't, then we need to do some investigation to work out what those strategies are and get a bit of a pupil profile going here. And again, maybe that's a topic for another day. Let me know if you'd like a session on that or some resources on that. But, you know, we're going to use our go-to strategies here. And again, like everything else, the more that we practice these, the more powerful they are. So don't be thinking that you've got to get really inventive with this child that, you know, hey, I used five finger breathing strategy last week. So this week I've got to use box breathing. And next week I'm going to use, I don't know, seven, five breathing. And then next week I'm going to use abracadabra magical breathing. I definitely made that one up. Whatever. You don't have to be inventive about this stuff. Just find a thing that works and do it every day. If you do the same thing again and again and again, the child gets really good at doing it. It becomes less scary to do because they've done it loads of times and they've habituated to it and we've normalized it. And just they've practiced. So they've got better at it and their body has learned hey, when I do this thing, when we start doing five finger breathing, then actually I tend to feel calmer. And that means then you get this like really brilliant thing, like Pavlovian response, where even just thinking about doing, for example, the five finger breathing begins to make that child's physiology respond in a positive way. The heart rate starts to go down. The breathing starts to regulate even before you start to do the breathing exercise. So repetition is amazing from that point of view. Likewise, you might always put on the same piece of music in order to try to regulate. So my go-to is Barber's Adagio for strings. Your kids might want something cooler, maybe, but for me, that's a piece of music I've used through my lifetime when I need to find calm. And my body knows, you know, oh yeah, Pookie's playing Barbara's Daggio for strings again. Better calm down. It's learn. It knows. And I practice listening to it at times of calm. I've used it repeatedly to help to calm myself. It's really effective. For what it's worth, just in case you're interested, when I want to activate and energize, <laughs> I don't know if I should admit to this because loads of people hate this song. I listen to Dancing in the Moonlight by Top Loader. That is the song I will sing along to, dance around to, jump about to, to try and get myself energized and activated. This um, was a habit I started when I was doing my A-levels and I would sometimes go into kind of like freeze mode, uh, lots of people do, where I would become so anxious that I would kind of shut down. And that's not really helpful when you need to like go write an exam. And so I took to listening to this piece of music just before I was gonna go into my exams. Uh, I was living on site at school at the time so I had the advantage of being able to go sing and dance around my room without anybody being able to like see and judge me hopefully um but I would get yeah, go dance around sing to that get energized and then I had enough kind of energy and connection to be able to go and do the exams so there you go so regulatory activities and, and actually just just on that note so I just said there I had some things that calmed and some things that energized some of your kids will need activities actually that will energize them if the, you've got like under responsive um children you're kind of inattentive ADHD type children sometimes for example may need to get like really connected and energized and ready for learning so you might be looking there to to use uh, sensory stimulation that gets them yeah engaged and activated and ready for learning in that way it's not always about calming again 
I have so many, so many potentially splinter topics here. You're going to have to tell me, tweet me, email me, carry a pigeon me. What do you actually want in future episodes? Because uh, I don't know unless you tell me. And then finally, the other thing we can do for regulation is just look at the day ahead, work out where the potential pitfalls are with the child, be really real about it and work out what we're going to do if those things happen. So if a child is struggling with the idea of engaging with the school day because they've got a head full of concerns about the school day, I'm really, really scared about what's going to happen in maths today. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this friend at break time uh, I really uh, dislike going to this particular classroom because it's really noisy I don't know what's going to happen in assembly today I've heard something different's happening and I'm worrying about that whatever child may have a head full of worries about this particular day or about every day and doing some if then planning with them so if this thing goes wrong then we can do this or just looking at that day and thinking ahead to how we're going to manage those particular things um, and trying to provide some practical suggestions about how we're going to manage that, thinking through them and actually thinking about the likelihood of certain things happening too can be really helpful. But essentially validating those concerns, hearing the child's worries and thinking, okay, I hear you. What are we going to do about that then? So that they go into the day confident that their concerns have been heard and that where possible, actually, we've done something about them. So the child says, I'm finding it really hard. I've got DT today and I've got to go again today. And it, it, it's it's a really hard room for me because although I really like, I don't know, woodworking, the noise is so, so difficult. And we might go, OK, let's have a think about that. How can we manage the noise? What can we do? Brainstorm with the child, see if they've got any suggestions or solutions um, and, and think about what can be practically done. Can you wear ear defenders? Can you have a desk set up in a quieter part? of the room do you need to be in the room the whole time or could you sit in that little office space that the DT teacher has off the room where it's a bit quieter when you've got stuff you want to focus on you know there will be always there are always things that can be done here um, and we need to think about what those things might be today for this child that kind of planning um, can be done alongside a trusted adult um, or it can be done on their own with a child once they're at a point where they are like have the skills, have the strategies, have the ideas that they're able to enact. At the beginning, this kind of planning might take a long time um, and it will need to be done quite carefully in order to enable a child to engage. And we might repeatedly come back to it through the day. We might like take it a chunk at a time, not worry about the whole day. Like, you know, if you've just gotten into school, this afternoon feels like a lifetime away and that's way too hard to plan for. I don't even want to think about the fact I'm still going to be here in four hours time. Getting through the door was hard. So we might just think about the next hour, what's going to happen in this lesson that's coming up, how are we going to make that manageable, do it a chunk at a time. Um, but yeah, so essentially this might be more intensive at the beginning and we would work towards a scenario where it was less so. The other thing is that we might need our supporting adult to provide more help at the beginning with actually enabling those things to become enacted because it might be that um, staff need prompting or helping or guidance or teaching about how to do things that will help this particular child or just be given permission to do things a little bit differently. Um, and that's, yeah, if you're listening in as a, as a Senko um, or, or someone within school who helps to support staff to do things to help children with special or additional needs here, um, just remember that your newer staff or your more junior staff will need your permission in order to be flexible and make changes for a particular child. Like our kind of go-to is often when we're newer or we're less experienced or we don't feel that we have authority is to do the same for every child um, and actually sometimes we need permission to do something different for this child with good reason okay 
Right, so we've done our three R's. We're thinking about how to start the day right, how to start the day well for those children who are anxious at school. And we haven't gone right to the beginning of the day too much, although some of you are parents and carers and we could think about that preschool routine, but this is about starting the school day right. We have thought about the reception that the child receives when they arrive at school and how so important it is for a child to feel wanted when they walk in and for us to decide what we're going to let slide. We thought about the importance of routine, how doing the same things in the same way every day makes it much more possible to do those things again and again and again and to make this really challenging thing going to school begin to feel just a little bit easier over time. We thought about the where is the child going to go, who are they going to spend that time with and what are they going to do. And then we have thought about regulation and the importance of ensuring that a child is emotionally and physiologically regulated by the time that they are looking to engage with learning. And we've thought about some ways to calm and we've acknowledged that for some children we may need to energize or activate. But what we're trying to do is to help that child to get to a place where actually they can go and enjoy and engage with the rest of their school day. And you can't hurry that bit because if you do, you set yourself up to fail, which makes tomorrow harder. You might never get past the regulation stage with some children at the beginning and that's okay too. They might never actually make it to lessons but you are building a repeatable process that they're able to return to again and again and again. You're developing these routines, you're developing that safety and so tomorrow it becomes more possible and maybe they do make it to their lesson. I really hope there was something helpful in here. If you are finding what I'm doing helpful, please share it. That is the most helpful thing you can do. Also, if you like the podcast, if you have a moment to go review it on Apple Podcasts in particular, that's super helpful to help other people to find it. Um, in the show notes, I will link out to some other resources that you might find uh, that you can you can follow up on your learning here with. Um, but mostly, you know, the most helpful thing you can do is just use these ideas to make a little bit of a difference to a child in your life, in your your care, who you're working with or supporting. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing to support the children in your care, whether you're their parent, their carer, their teacher, their support staff member, their school nurse, whoever you might be, you really matter. And the fact that you care enough to have listened to me waffling on for the last whoever knows how long, it's it's a big thing. It really, really matters. And what you're doing is making more difference than you'll probably ever know. Until next time over and out.